Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And we've got the director of technology and the mission pastor of CCF, which stands for Community Christian Fellowship, and it's in Lindale, Texas. And Roland is on tonight. How are you doing, Roland? I'm doing well. Thanks, Todd. Good to be on the show with you. And I've also got my dad on tonight, Wayne Black. How are you, Dad? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And Roland's got an incredible testimony, which kind of goes all over the place, but he's a a survivor of cancer. He's a survivor of a tornado and uh, just a lot of other things in life. And so, Roland, I, I'm not going to get in the way here. I'm going to let you just start sharing with your testimony and go on from there. Okay. Well, you, you stop me if I start rambling too much, but let me start in the beginning. I... I was born in uh, the fall of 1960 in uh, southwestern Louisiana, uh, and born and raised really in a Christian home. Uh, my folks loved the Lord and raised myself and my brothers uh, in in church and uh, taught to to love the Lord. Um, when I was three, my dad took a job in uh, Latin America, so our, our family moved to Argentina. And uh, so the first, uh, my first memories up until I was about 11 were in Argentina. Uh, and I, I consider that a, a blessing because now I, I have Spanish that uh, I can use and the Lord can use um, in, in, in ministering to others. And it's, uh, it's a great advantage. I um, also got a pretty amazing uh, geography education having lived in Latin America, and we traveled all over the place, uh, all over Latin America when I was a kid, and um, returned to the Sulphur Lake Charles, Louisiana area um, in 1971 or two, 1971, when I was about almost 11, and um, my first experience with walking with the Lord uh, on a personal basis was in 1974, I guess I was uh, about 13 or so, and yeah, I think it was March of 74, and made my first commitment to to, uh, to the Lord, and then began a, a process. And you know, uh, really, salvation is a process. Certainly, holiness is a process, and it's it's something uh, I always liken it. In fact, if you talk to me for uh, about the Lord at any time, you've probably heard me bring up the analogy of the potter and the potter's wheel, and and we're the clay, and he's he's begun a process. You know, he selected us and put us on his potter's wheel, and it's it's not an easy process. I mean, there's pain involved, and well, I certainly had um, throughout my my life. Um, many occasions of, of pain and suffering and things that really pushed me towards God. And some would say, well, it could push you away from God. But um, I, I grabbed a hold of the idea, the concept of God's 
loving me, and I think that that pushed me toward him, and I rec- I recognized my my great need for him. Uh, I graduated high school in 1978. Um, went to McNeese State University in Lake Charles. Got a degree, an associate's degree in electronics technology. Went to work in 1981 for Texas Eastern Gas Pipeline Company, and. Uh, Really, got, I, I feel like I was picked a little green because I was put in a in a position in that company. Uh, basically, I was I was sent out and had to do some work that I wasn't really trained for to to my satisfaction. So I felt very insecure in a lot of ways, and I really in my childhood I had a lot of insecurity, a lot of fear issues. I can remember even back in Argentina as a little kid having fear issues, being in a different culture, you know, at, at age four, five, not really knowing the language very well. And so there were some strongholds that were established, and I saw them carrying out in my life. Um, and, you know, I've since learned that fear is the opposite of faith. And God wants us to operate in faith. And yet I had a lot of insecurities and it was, it, there was even the, the misconception that God was standing over me, judging every thought, every, every motive, every action, every word, um, more like what we would observe as maybe the Muslims would, would view Allah, you know, not, not a loving caring God who is redemptive in, in all his ways in our lives. And, uh, but it took some time for me to, to uh, come to that place of understanding of God's, God's love and, and his redemption and, in our lives. And in 1983, I, uh, I left my job. I was living in uh, Homa, Louisiana at the time. And I uh, came to East Texas and began to work with, well, first I went to a discipleship school held at uh, Keith Green's ministry last days. And I began to get a little more uh, understanding of of God's heart for me. But still there was a lot of fear in my life. And I actually served with uh, that ministry for mm, 10 years full-time and another three years part-time. And then in late 93, went out on my own, was doing uh, freelance work, electrical, electronics, uh, telephony, um, you know, some computer work as well. And I, um, I mentioned the, uh, the, the fear issues and there was low self-esteem and basically an an emotional storm. You know, I've I've been thinking about the storms in our lives. And so, uh, but then in, uh, let's see, I guess it it would have been about 88 or so. I began to have what I I look at now as a, a crisis of faith. You know, I, I wasn't sure. Uh, still, I was in that that mode of um, not really knowing 
God as a father. Uh, it was more head knowledge, and I was, I was you know, still um, struggling in my walk with the Lord. Uh, and uh, so it, it, it led to some depression issues and uh, really not even... I, I, I came to a point almost of, of being a, an agnostic. I was that... It was that much of a crisis in my faith, and it, it really, it, it took, I, know, I remember my dad challenging me and saying, you need to get in the Word, and I had I'd sort of become, I, uh, let's say, went on strike from, from quiet times and being in the Word because I was just in, in a state of confusion, and um, again, that low self-worth, and so I remember my dad challenged me to get back in the Word, and as much as I really didn't want to, I made it an effort, I made a strong effort, and um, every morning I would get up and get in the Word, and whether I was, whether I wanted to or not, I, I did, and I, and I read through the whole Bible in a year, and, and something clicked, and I, and I know that God's Word doesn't return void. And so as, you know, um, I, I, was, I was reading the Word and hearing the Word, and, you know, faith comes by hearing. And so I came back into spiritual health in the late 90s. It was, I mean, all the while I was at this Christian ministry, but I was just having a crisis of faith. And, and then in uh, 2001, again, I was already uh, out on my own doing the uh, freelancing, and I, I once again got into a, another crisis of, of depression, and at this time it was, it was like a midlife crisis, and I wasn't happy with who I was, and by, by that time, you know, 41, 40, 41, I would have expect, expected to have had a, a wife and children, you know, uh, stability, and and so I, I allowed myself to believe some more lies and sunk into a state of depression again. And I remember actually calling out to God and saying, Lord, I'm just tired. I'm tired of this. Would you just take me home? Would you let me just die? You know, <laughs> and amazingly enough, within a, a, within a few weeks, I began to get really, really sick and just felt weak, and I had this cough that wouldn't stop. I began to have really high fevers and night sweats, and uh, went to a couple of doctors, and nobody could figure out what it was, and uh, they kept prescribing um, uh, what is it, methylprednisolone, uh, which is basically weakens the immune system and it it uh, it um, ceases, or it uh, causes the inflammation to to go down so my coughing coughing began to improve but it was basically weakening my immune system and it wasn't until the very end of 2001 that uh, I mean I was having 100, 104 fever every night and uh, night sweats and chills and and it just kept getting worse and worse i had people at the church were praying for me 
And finally, I wound up in the emergency room, and they determined that I had Hodgkin's lymphoma, and which is a cancer of the lymphatic system. And I remember I, I did not want to do chemotherapy. You know, I, I wanted to try some alternatives, and I had people giving me ideas, and I was pursuing some different things. And I remember going to the doctor, and, and the doctor said, we've got to start chemo. And I said, no, 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 I don't want to do that. Give me, give me another month to try some alternatives. And the doctor looked at, looked at me face-to-face and, and said, you don't have another month. You're going to be dead within a month. And it was a, it was a surreal realization at that point. Because, because I was in some depression, when I heard that, I literally sensed excitement in my spirit. Because it seemed so real that within a month I'm going to be face to face with Jesus. And at the time, I thought that's a good thing. I'm ready to get out of here. I'm depressed. Um, but. Somehow they talked me into doing chemo, and I think I, my, my parents were putting a lot of pressure on me too, and my siblings and friends. And uh, at that point, my I don't I don't think my faith was built up enough to to fully believe God for healing. But it was just within uh, just a matter of weeks. I. I was overwhelmed with the number of people that were contacting me, calling me, sending me cards, even sending me money, praying for me, crying over the phone. Um, And I started recognizing, wow, people really love me. This is crazy. I started getting a glimpse of how loved I am. And something clicked. Uh, it, It blew my mind. I started counting up the number of countries from which people were calling me or sending notes or whatever. It was something like, I don't know, 34, 35 different countries and a majority of the U.S. states. And it, it, it just, it, something clicked. And I began to be strengthened to, to believe God and to, to go forward and and definitely came out of that, that uh, state of depression. And I think, if, I'm, if my memory serves me right, I believe it was only two chemo treatments that I took, and then they did another PET scan, and whereas the, the first PET scan showed me lit up like a Christmas tree, it was in stage four in every organ. After, if I'm not mistaken, it was after two treatments, which is, it was every other week, they did another PET scan, and there was no sign of cancer. It's like I, I had been in stage four on my deathbed, and there was no sign of it. Well, immediately I told the doctor, "Good, I don't want to do any more chemo." And of course, the doctor said, "No, you have to complete the series." And so, um, it, it was a pretty amazing turnaround. You know, I was planning to <laughs> to check out of this this life and go be with the Lord, but he certainly had other plans for me. And that actually set me on a course of learning about healing. 
uh, I guess it was in 2000, let's see, 2002 is when I had the chemo. I believe it was early 2003. It was spring of 2003. I went out to Georgia to Henry Wright's ministry, Be In Health, uh, beinhealth.org, and went through a week-long seminar where they, they, they taught about the, um, the spiritual roots of disease. And I began to recognize, wow, I had this thing and that, the spiritual root, and they, they, over 30 years or so of case histories, they had pinpointed, and most of the time when you have this certain disease, uh, these are your emotional and spiritual issues. And it was like reading my mail. It really was. And so I began to research that further, and I had had chronic asthma for 20 years. And I was on these steroid inhalers that if I failed to take a puff, especially at night before I went to bed, inevitably within two or three hours I'd wake up and uh, horrible coughing fit, you know, and and, uh, not being able to breathe and, you know, grabbing for the inhaler and that kind of thing. Well, for years... I would, when I'd take that puff of of the medication, it was like that was my cue to pray. And I'd I'd say, Lord, I don't want to be dependent on any kind of medication. I don't want to be dependent on anything but you. And fast forward, uh, let me see. It was 10 years ago this summer, so that would have been 2007, I was on an outreach with some former Mercy Ships uh, friends of mine that I'd served with in, in Mercy Ships on the Anastasis uh, years ago. And so we, we went on this outreach in Guatemala. We were way up in the middle of nowhere, uh, no running water, no electricity, and we were doing some construction projects for a, a medical facility, a little medical clinic. and. A bunch of us were in this one room. There were bunk beds, and so I was I was laying my head down, about to go to, to sleep that night. And I remembered, oh yeah, I got to take my my asthma medication. So I started reaching for that inhaler, and it was nearly audible. It was so clear. I heard God say to me, "You don't have to take that because I've healed you." And it was so nearly audible, so clear, I couldn't ignore it. And, of course, at that point, I'm faced with a test. Am I going to believe that? Was that really God? Was that just me? If I don't take a puff, there's that chance I would wake up two or three hours later and wake everyone up in the room because of that, the coughing fit and not being able to breathe. But it was so clear, so distinct, I had to, I had to follow through. I had to, I had to obey him. So I took a step of faith, and I uh, put the inhaler back down, laid down, and prayed, Lord, <laughs> have mercy. <laughs> heal me. Well, he'd already told me he'd heal me. I just had to 
walk in that faith. Well, the next thing I know, it's daylight. I'm waking up, and wow, I hadn't gone like that in, you know, I don't know, I've had 20 years or I don't know how long it's been, but a long time without um, having having a reaction. So then, so I worked all day long. We did some construction and concrete work, and even even that normally would provoke an asthma attack, just, you know, the exertion. Again, the next night, I heard him again say, remember, I healed you. You don't have to take that medication. So I believed him again, and the next morning, wake up, everything's fine. That's been 10 years ago. I'm completely free. And I, I was, I was uh, in, in a way, um, addicted to that medication, you know, and so that built my faith up even more. And since then, oh, and by the way, what they found for the spiritual root for asthma, what Henry Wright and others have, other who do um, deliverance ministry and um, that that kind of uh, ministry, they found that asthma's spiritual root is oftentimes a fear of abandonment. And if you look at kids who have an unstable home, uh, maybe where there's not a, a father in the home, or there's instability, a lot of times it's very common for kids to have asthma. And it seems to be a thread running, running through. And I remember that when I was a kid in Argentina, I used to have a recurring nightmare. I would... Uh, in my dreams, in my nightmare, my parents had left, and I was abandoned. I was alone, and I was in this foreign country, and there was trauma, there was fear. And so when he healed me of the asthma, or as he was in the process of it, I was remembering this, going, wow, there's a fear of abandonment there that I, I w- had not been fully aware of until I started studying that. And... And then he's, uh, the Lord has since healed me. I had, uh, I even had some arthritic pain in my knees. And I, they found that many times rheumatoid arthritis is related to unforgiveness, holding, holding a grudge. And uh, so I put it to a test. One day I, I had some pain in my knee, and uh, it just came out of nowhere. And I, I said, okay, Holy Spirit, would you show me? If there's anyone that I, I haven't forgiven, is there anyone that I've, I'm holding a grudge against? And literally within three seconds, then someone's face and name came to mind. And so I just took that um, step of faith and, and said, well, I forgive, you know, so-and-so in Jesus' name. I will not hold a grudge. I release him. I'm not going to participate in that. I, I forgive him. And honestly, within five minutes, the pain was completely gone. I was jumping up and down, trying to, trying to, you know, test it. Okay, is it really there? No, it's gone. The same thing happened actually two two times later that year. Uh, a couple of months uh, later, it happened. The pain in, in in one of my knees came back, and and so again, I asked Holy Spirit, would you show me? Because you know, we we tend to go on with life and forget. Well, there was 
this lady had sent me an email the day before that really bothered me. And I hadn't let go of it. I hadn't released it. And so, again, I just said, okay, I forgive her in Jesus' name. I'm not going to hold the grudge. I, I will not. Um, and I later found out it was uh, um, to hold the grudge would be inviting uh, the tormentors to torment me, as Jesus said. And, and again, within, within a few minutes, the pain was totally gone and didn't come back for another couple of months. And then I'm starting to recognize a pattern here and going, okay, uh, okay, now who is it? And again, immediately I was, I was shown who it was, and I went through the same process. And uh, I guess it's been about four or five years ago, I was invited to, to give a message at a church, a pretty good-sized church in Lima, Peru, when I was on an outreach there. And... So I decided to give a message that incorporated a lot of these testimonies of, of healing. And it, it was so amazing. Um, that, that day, that morning, I found out later the pastor told me that there were at least two people that were healed that morning. One of arthritis pain, one of... Um, there, there was a, a young lady who had had a miscarriage, and she had held a grudge against God. In my message, I said, "We gotta, as, as Henry Wright teaches, uh, we gotta, we gotta forgive others. We gotta forgive ourselves, and forgive or don't hold a grudge against God." Well, she had held this grudge against God, and she was in horrible pain, so much so that she couldn't even sit down. She was standing up in the back, and as soon as she she released that and repented of that, the pain completely left her. And then the next day, the pastor said, this is amazing. She, he, he said, there, there's 10 plus, he said, over 10 people have been posting on Facebook that God healed them of something. And he started naming several of the, the sicknesses, and I was so pumped up. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> that just, that really now, fueled you, me you, to... Sorry, you didn't even, you didn't even pray for these people, right? You just taught. No, not, I didn't yeah. even know it was happening. I, I know uh, the, that's, the, that's what I've seen happen at a lot of these things. That uh, you don't even have to pray for them. They realize themselves. They go. They take care, and they get healed. That's right. That's right. Okay, go on. And and it, it is so encouraging because it's not about us. It's not about me. I delivered a message and I, I instructed them what they, what they need to do, you know, forgive. And then, of course, when there's fear issues, we've got to walk in faith, not fear, because even medical science knows that fear is, is at the root of a lot of sicknesses, high blood pressure, heart, heart issues. Um, I mean, even the scripture says men's hearts failing because of the fear that's coming upon them, you know, in the end times. And so there's just, you know, I, I, I've, I've come to, to understand that there are, um, there's consequences and there's conditions. Um, those consequences for, let's say, eating a high sugar diet, yeah, you may get sugar diabetes, um, there's consequences for um, things we do, not only 
with our in our physical bodies, but also with our attitudes. You know, with not forgiving or um, you know living in fear, choosing to operate in in the, in the in really in the enemy's realm, fear. And then there's conditions for being healed. There's conditions. You know, we have to humble ourselves. In fact, we know from Scripture that God's attracted to humility, and He's repulsed by pride. So really, when it comes down to um, acknowledging that I've done wrong, Lord, I've got to repent and go in Your direction. I've got to forgive. I can't hold this grudge. And uh, it's amazing to watch it uh, play out in my life and others' lives. So that's, that was one of those storms that I walked through that I saw God turn around and not only teach me, and it's, it's an ongoing thing too, but he also has used me to bless others and to teach them. And to, I, I encourage people all the time. Now I get a lot of flack. I do. People saying, oh, you can't say that sin's connected to sickness. And Hello. <laughs> I, I have personal experience knowing that it is. And I'm not going to say 100%, but uh, a large percentage of it is related to um, my, my own issues, emotional, spiritual. And, uh, well, one of the big problems I see is that most people, when you say the word sin, they think sin is it's adultery or it's homosexuality or it's something like that. Sin can be just not believing what God said. Exactly. I, I mean, you know, so exactly. sin is, 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 so, you know, we got, we got to get in our head that sin can be anything. Sin can be, uh, you know, being mad at your wife. Exactly. You know? In fact, so, in Peter, remember in, uh, in Peter, uh, forget what the, the, the chapter exactly, but uh, Peter said to walk with your spouse or your wife in an understanding way Let your prayers be hindered. Guess what? You can pray all you want, but if you're not in harmony with your spouse and in the way he intended, you know, husbands loving your wife as Christ loves the church and and wives obeying your husbands as the church is to obey Christ, if if that's not in harmony, we're not going to get our prayers um, answered. They're going to be hindered. It's pretty clear. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> well, hey, so now... But anyway, I've caught, I've caught some flag from some of that. <laughs> yeah, now, you want to go on and share about this big storm that just happened? Yeah, and as a matter of fact, it's not one tornado that I survived, it's two. Because 30 years ago, almost to the month, there was a tornado that, when I was at, uh, at uh, last days at the Keith Green's ministry, that roared through... March of 1987. Um, it wasn't nearly as big as the one just recently, but uh, it, it was it, again. It was a traumatic situation. But April 29th of this year, 2017, at my my mother's house, actually the family farm, uh, north of Canton, south of Fruitvale. And uh, let me just start by saying that morning or, or maybe early afternoon, long before the storms came, my mother my mother got a phone call on her flip phone. 
the phone rang and she was she was flabbergasted because she first of all she heard the distinctive ringtone which was amazing grace and she looked down at the caller id and it said stewart stewart was my brother who died two years ago that week and my mother looked at it in disbelief and you know opened up the flip phone and immediately a recording started playing this number has been disconnected or no, no longer in service well we looked at each other <laughs> in disbelief what was that about how could how could a phone phone number from from her son my brother how could it call two years after he passed well she kind of looked at me not really knowing she she said is that like a a bad omen or a good omen if there's such a thing and you know we're kind of stunned oh i don't know what that's all about that was weird well that was just maybe three or four hours before the big ef4 tornado came through and leveled completely leveled my mom's house and i had been out doing some work on the farm and picking some berries that morning and and um in the evening we knew the storms were going to be coming um but my mother had the tv on we were looking at the uh, weather report on channel seven at the tyler was uh giving a blow by blow of, of what was going on and uh it was heading in our direction. Well, right about then, the power went out, so the TV went out. Well, uh, I went out to the shop to hook up the generator, and my mom said, no, it'll, it'll be back on. Don't worry about it. But I went ahead and did it anyway. Went out to the shop and got took forever to get <laughs> the generator cranked up because the battery was dead on it and had to get jumper cables out. And I just bought a new battery for the the zero turn lawnmower so i jumped it and finally got it on maybe 20 minutes later went in and it was just in time to hear the weatherman say that it was heading directly toward us towards fruitvale and he was saying warning take cover this is a big this is a this is a tornado it's strong take cover well my mother uh, has, has got some, some physical problems where she can't walk very well. She uses a walker and very slowly. And Well, uh, we, she, she said, um, well, let me back up. 20 years ago, my dad built this underground passageway, basically a concrete tunnel with steps that go down from the main house, maybe 10 feet underground, and then 90-degree turn, and then in, opened up into a swimming pool house which was on the side of the hill overlooking the lake and my dad when he built it said well it'll be the convenience of being able to go down into the pool house during the winter time or whatever but also it'll serve as a tornado shelter and how right he was well we had enough time to get my mother down one step at a time to the bottom of the of the stairway and she sat down and i was standing at the top looking at the TV that was powered by the generator. And again, he, he, the, the weatherman just kept saying, take shelter, windowless interior room, 
when my mother had insisted prior to going down the stairs, she said, no, I just want to ride it out in this little bathroom up up here. Uh, well, that bathroom was completely leveled. Nothing, no walls, no toilet, even the linoleum was peeled up. There was nothing there. Um, so, but I was, I, I went out to the front porch a couple of times uh, just to, to look on the horizon. And, and the last time I went out there, it was just in the field, and I could hear the roaring, you know, the train sound, as they say. And so I made a beeline back down and sat down next to my mom. And within just a few seconds, the wind started kicking up like crazy. And I, 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 I put my arms around my mom as sort of a, you know, to protect her. And it, it hit with a vengeance. And this, uh, it, the, the, the roar and the sound of this, this wind was, um, really indescribable. It, it was, it was insane. The door at the top of the stairway that led down into the, in the tunnel sucked in and hit me in the back. But it, it actually shielded us from a lot of the debris that began to fly. Really, it was like being inside of a giant vacuum cleaner hose because debris, insulation, uh, things from the house began to suck in one direction. Then when the tornado went directly overhead, it began to suck the opposite direction. And if it wasn't for that 90-degree turn in, in the concrete passageway, uh, who knows what would have hit us, but it, that at least slowed it down. But it, you know, it's hard to tell how long it took, but it was probably 30 or 40 seconds of the intensity of it coming directly over overhead. I turned around to look behind the door that it, that it crashed in on me after it passed, and I saw daylight. Well... You're not supposed to see daylight. That's supposed to be the house. <laughs> so I, I helped my mother get up. I didn't want to move because I didn't want the debris to come crashing down on both of us. It was I was holding up basically with, with my back in the store. Uh, of course, she can't walk, So, but I, right, right down there at her feet was this three-foot-long two-by-six board that had been part of the house, and, and I... I handed it to her and said, here, use this to steady yourself. You've got to move away from this, uh, the stairway. So I, I don't want to get up and it fall on you. So she did. It took her a, a good while she did, because she can't walk very well. But, um, and so we, I got her to the other end of the tunnel. It was a little more secure. And I went out and looked, and it was like a war zone. It was just insane. And I, as I was out there surveying, of course, this is, there's still storms, lightning, you know, heavy rain happening. So I was going in and out to survey the situation. It, oh, after, this is, I think it was 6, 620 or so when the, when the tornado hit. And if I, as a matter of fact, I've got a photo that I took of the tornado and so I got the time stamp on it. I know what time it was. But, but I went out with a flashlight when it got dark, and I was looking around. And I looked up in this tree, a tree that had, had survived. There were two trees in the front of the house. And let me detour and say a little bit about that. 
this is the weirdest thing. I didn't realize what was about to hit us. I figured high winds. And so when I went out and saw the tornado, and, and it wasn't a classic uh, funnel shape because it was so wide. It was just a black cloud. It was an ES-4. Um, but I, I went out there and thinking that it would just do damage to the roof or maybe knock over the trees, I, I stood between these two big um, hackberry trees, probably, I don't know, three to four feet in diameter, pretty huge trees. And I stretched my arms between the two trees, and I said, trees, be strengthened in Jesus' name. Because I thought, well, the trees could fall over and damage the house. I didn't realize we're talking about completely leveling everything. But guess what? Those two trees are the only, they survived. The two trees are there today, standing upright. Other trees were completely wiped out. That's crazy. And, uh, and, and a, a hackberry is a softwood tree. It's not a, a strong oak. It, it, it should have, it should have uh, fallen over and, and splintered. But, but it, I later looked back on it and regretted, why didn't I just stand up to the storm and say, peace, be still, in Jesus' name? Our master taught us to do that. But it didn't cross my mind because I thought, oh, it's just high winds. It's going to maybe, yeah. <laughs> you know, in retrospect. Um, but looking up in the tree, the one, one of the two hackberries that survived, was an American flag flying. It was pinned up, oh, maybe, I don't know, 15 feet up. And it was flying upside down, waving upside down, you know, the distress signal. When I first saw it, it, it didn't dawn on me. I thought, I don't remember us having an American flag. Later that evening, as I was reliving the whole thing, you know, I'm, I'm in, in my bed trying to go to sleep and I'm reliving everything, it dawned on me. That was my brother Stuart's military flag from his funeral. It had been folded up in the triangle on the table inside the house. The tornado ripped through basically the whole, all the walls collapsed, and somehow the flag was sent flying, unraveled, unfolded, and flew back another 50 feet in the opposite direction of the tornado and was pinned up in the tree by a cable that I had put in a couple of years earlier to strengthen the tree because it was beginning to split. It was, you know, it was a weak, weak tree. Um, but amazingly enough, not only did it survive, but here, here was his flag pinned upside down, waving in the breeze. So we had, before the storm, we had the phone call that appeared to come from my brother, Stuart. And then after the storm, here's his flag flying. And... You know, so we're trying to process this. Goodness, what does this mean? Well, really, we saw God's thumbprint on the whole thing. We saw amazing, uh, well, it was miraculous that we survived, for one thing. Uh, and then we were able to get down in the tunnel when we did, just in time. We, had, we wouldn't have known about it had... Um, we not uh, me not be if I hadn't been able to get the generator back, uh, or the generator on so the power would come back. Uh, if it had happened six hours later, we both would have been asleep. My mom in her room, 
me in my room on the other side of the house. Uh, if it had been during the week, I wouldn't have been there. I was only there on the weekends. So we just saw time after time after time events that took place that it was it was miraculous to say the least. And um, even little things like uh, this is this was kind of fun. Um, I had just bought some brand new New Balance shoes, you know, sixty dollars at uh, in Tyler, and um, you know, it, it took me a while to find size fourteen for one thing, but then you know, some that I liked. And well, I I had them underneath the coffee table in the living room, had my uh, my work shoes on since I'd been out doing some work during the the afternoon, and um, well, they went flying. And I was that was one of the many things I was kind of disappointed about, like, oh, I just bought those shoes. And so I, I literally asked the Lord, uh, would, you, would you help me find these shoes? <laughs> well, the, the next morning, I found one of them. Like, yay, okay, I'm halfway there. <laughs> and I kept asking the Lord for something that simple. And it was just, I think, a couple of weeks later that one of the volunteers that was helping to do some cleanup, he, uh, under, under a pile of rubble somewhere uh, on the property, he, he found the other one, and they're both in perfect condition, no scratches, nothing. <laughs> so, and we found all kind of pictures that we would have thought would have blown away. Uh, some of them did, and I even got messages from people in the town of Fruitvale, three to five miles away, uh, saying, hey, we found pictures with your name on it. Found, found, found a baby picture of yours with your name on it. <laughs> so in spite of the tragedy and the trauma, we could see God's hand in it. And uh, another interesting uh, little tidbit about this, my, uh, my mother was born and raised in the town of Sulphur, Louisiana, where I where part of my life I, I was raised the high school mascot there is the tornado. And in the rubble, I found just the cover of one of Mom's yearbooks. And it had a picture of a tornado on it. It said, The Tornado, 1949. And uh, so I jokingly told Mom, Mom, the Sulphur Tornado came and brought you back home. Because she's moved now back to Sulphur. She's living with my brother and his family down there. And, uh, you know, I also jokingly was... was saying, uh, Mom, if, if God wanted you to move back to, to Louisiana, why don't you just go? <laughs> why did it take a tornado to drive you there? <laughs> so we, we never know uh, the bigger picture, but we're, we're seeing God's hand in protecting us in, in miraculous situations throughout that, that, that uh, tornado. So pretty crazy, huh? Yeah, it's always a blessing to talk to you, Roland. I, I always can stand there and listen to you. Yeah. Whether it's in Spanish or English. <laughs> <laughs> Chick, yeah, cool. that's great. You know, that was uh, that was really interesting. I, I didn't know everything about, uh, you know, I, I mean, at at church they uh, told a little bit about what had happened and, and uh you know, and that they were going and helping with the cleanup and all that. But, wow, you know, 
And praise God for yeah. your dad building that, uh, you know, stairway. That, that's right. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> I, I've thanked the Lord so many times for for that passageway and for, like I said before, the fact that I was there when it happened, um, the, fact, the fact we had advance warning and it wasn't in the middle of the night because we wouldn't have got up to get in the tunnel in the middle of the night. You know, so, and, uh, you know, just a week before it happened, my mother was telling one of her friends, she said, I don't know how much longer I can live here alone. So she even recognized that something was going to have to happen, either go into an assisted living or something like that. And of course, that was a concern for me and for my, my brothers. And so certainly God worked it all out. And we even, my, my brothers and I have joked about that, and my mom, we've joked about, well, we don't have to figure out who gets what. We don't have to clean up after, <laughs> clean up Dad's shop. It's all, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're, we're, yeah, it's all wiped out. So we're, look, we're, we're looking for the, the good side, you know, the, 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 the other perspective. Because, you know, as I said, even on one of the TV stations came out and interviewed my mother and I, and I was trying to give God glory and, and even perspective and, and saying, you know, this is just stuff. This is just stuff. This is uh, temporary. It's, it's just, you know, in the big picture, this is nothing. And so, you know, we're, we're just thankful that our lives are spared and, and that we can give God glory for all this. And so it's all good. <laughs> well, all right. We we are supposed to be living in the blessings of God now, you know. That's I mean, God, right. God told me that you have to. He the curses are gone. He took them away, but now we can live on the blessings. So very few people live on the blessings, but we you you are living on the blessings. <laughs> I'm living in the blessings, but I've also had plenty of storms, and some of those have been uh, consequences. Uh, some of those have been God's uh, necessity to put pressure on the clay. It's not been comfortable, but he's, he's redemptive, and he uses the negative things in, in life to, uh, for our good very good and it's you know you think about uh let's say the hardship that someone goes through in in boot camp oh it's so hard and and the sergeant is driving us really hard and you know it's not comfortable and so forth but there's a reason for it and we have to have our faith strengthened for the battles and it's it's redemptive It, it it has a a specific um reason, you know. And I remember my my dear friend my dear friend Winky Pratney. I believe it was Winky who was teaching years ago about palm trees on the coast. I don't know if you've ever heard this this analogy, but <clears throat> palm trees on the coast, like say in Florida, are used to a lot of wind and uh waves and you know, uh hurricanes and so forth. And so they they learn they they flex 
you know, and and they can they can bounce back basically. But if you go inland a good distance where the palm trees are not used to the storms, instead of flexing, they snap. Yeah. And so there's an there's a there's an analogy there of how God will bring situations in our life, uh, not only to test us, but sometimes He does, uh, but to stretch us, to take us out of our comfort zones. Um, but it's all redemptive. It's all. It's not Him pointing a finger of, of judgment. It's it's Son. I need you to go through this so you can be stronger. And. Uh, so <laughs> he he's always got our best in mind. And if we can just grab a hold of how much he really does love us, and we won't be we won't be tempted to look at him as that distant deity that's this sending a lightning bolt or whatever. But rather he's redemptive in everything that he does and allows. Okay. Uh, I, I guess what I say, why don't you say a prayer for for some of these people that listen to uh, having to do with the we, well, with like what you're saying about the clay and that some people are going through a lot of things and and uh, and they don't know why. Uh, right. Sure. And sometimes they blame God for it, and we can't blame God because God. God is just like Jesus. Jesus never put any sickness or disease or anything else anybody while he was here on earth. So so God right. is using Jesus using God. And uh, right. so so pray pray for some of these sure. people that are listening. I'd be happy to. Well, Father, first of all we thank you that you are a loving, redemptive God. You care about every detail in our lives every hair on our head. You're not a distant deity that uh, stands back and and uh, thinks judgment on us, but your your heart is to draw each one of us to yourself and to, to be in that loving relationship. So, Father, for those who are listening who haven't quite who haven't quite grasped your love for them. I ask in Jesus' name for a revelation of your deep love, Lord, that you would pierce down into their very soul, their hearts, and give them a glimpse of your love, and that they would personalize it and recognize it for them, not the other people, but for them. For those who have gone through difficult situations, storms, uh, sicknesses, uh, divorces, uh, broken families, and so forth. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would reveal your heart for, for them. That they're not forsaken, and that as you promised, you will never leave us or forsake us. So, Father... Um, and those who've, who've also gone through sicknesses like I did, I ask that you would reveal any, <clears throat> reveal any situation in their own lives that may be preventing their healing from taking place. Or if there's any unforgiveness, 
ask that you would reveal those things. Holy Spirit, you're the one who shines a light on our hearts, and you reveal what's going on. So I ask you to reveal what's going on in each of the listeners' hearts, or that they would be able to turn their lives fully over to you and to walk in, in faith, to walk in forgiveness, uh, to walk out of fear, and to, to trust you wholeheartedly. I do ask in Jesus' name for a healing touch for those who are going through sicknesses. I ask in Jesus' name that the enemy would be uh, pushed away from them, that the darkness would be um, chased away by your light. Thank you, Father, that we can trust you in every situation, through every storm. I ask you to reveal to us your positive, um, the positive side of what we might consider a negative. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. All right. I had a oh, major major storm came in, and uh, it just kicked me off, so I had to come down the street. But uh, anyway, I, I heard the majority of it, and it was very good. And uh, I, I want to thank you for coming on with us, Roland, and sharing the story. And and I, I was, you know, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know, and I was glad to hear that. But uh, Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, man. That's a wrap. Okay, cool.